Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. We serve an amazing God who provides. An amazing God. Stuff happens when you serve God that just can't happen any other way, and there's just no way to explain it. But that there's a, there's a loving God that he sees you and he knows what you need. Well, I have to read my notes so I stay on track. And um, we have coaches, preaching coaches within the... And uh, Pastor Kimberly from Vernon Church is my coach. She says, you must introduce yourself because not everybody knows who you are. So I'm Jasmine, Russ's wife. We've been in Revelstoke for 30 years. We got four grown kids and four, great, four awesome grandkids. And um, we've been in this church for 30 years. So, and we met in Bible College, which was on near Vancouver. Russ is from the Yukon. I'm from Vancouver Island. And that's how we met at the college. And it's been kind of fun. Somebody said to me, oh, Russ's sister who's here from Whitehorse, Yukon. She said, how long have you guys been married? I said, 38 years. What? That's almost 40 years. Yeah, we can do the math. We know. <laughs> But it can be done. Whenever my friends are on Facebook, it comes up and they got an anniversary or something, I always say, you are my heroes because you can live together with the same person, with Jesus in the center. You can do it. So I can't, it sounds like, oh, yeah, they never had a problem. We've had problems. We have. You, you were human. But Jesus has always come through for us like he does. So... If you have your Bibles, which most people use their phones, I think I'm like the only person who brings a paper one. Oh, okay, there we go. The other Jasmine, my daughter-in-law. Can we turn to Psalm 24? But I got you all covered because I've got Josh at the back handling the over Sky Bible. We love Sky Bible. No, I didn't. I caught myself. All right, we're reading Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We're all in the same translation? Yes. Good. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and he built it on the ocean depths. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those who have hands and hearts, whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the King of glory in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, invincible in battle. Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the King of glory enter. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies. He is the King of glory. Sometimes we make God really small. He is the king of glory. We're singing so beautifully and worshiping him this morning. We all want the king of glory here. We want him to meet us here, to be amongst us, to be with us in our daily lives. As the psalm points out, that to be a place where his glory can dwell, we must have clean hands and a pure heart. We must not worship idols and never tell lies. This is the kind of people God is looking for. 
So I was walking in the woods, walking my dog, and this is usually when God and I have some good conversations. And I was talking to him about this, and I felt him specifically give me these scriptures and some direction regarding becoming a holy people. And as I was chatting and I was looking around, and it was a gorgeous day like today, and you could see the mountains, I got the impression from God that he wants to dwell here in this mountain paradise. He wants to be here in Revelstoke amongst a pure people, a people that he can call his own, a people of this beautiful mountain paradise. And, you know, so um, Jazz and I were chatting last week about it is such an incredibly beautiful place here, and it is just a place that is a magnet to people who love the outdoors. And they get such satisfaction in all the outdoor activities that are going on here that they find it very difficult to need God because what they got is outside, right? It's nature. And um, so it's a difficult, it can be a difficult place to make Jesus known. So when I was talking to God about this and him saying, I want to descend here. I, I want to come into this place. I want to be here. So if he's, t if he's saying to us, I want a holy people. I want to descend here. That means that he not, we're obviously not there yet for him to come in even more of his presence for us yet. We're not, we must not be quite ready for his amazing presence. Second Chronicles 16 verse 9 says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth to strengthen those who are fully committed to him. So he's searching for committed ones. Psalm 145, verse 8 and 9 says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. So you think, well, why, why did God need to tell me this? This about Psalm 24 and that clean hands and a pure heart. And why does he want me to know that he wants to dwell here. He wants you to be able to feel him. He wants you to be able to have his presence and to see him work. Um, and I think that his purpose in pointing this out to me in this, this day, like 2023, 2023, is because he is slow to anger and great in mercy. He always gives second chances. But he has his limits, right? So he's saying, like, come on, people. I want to descend here. So, firstly, I also believe that he wants us to make a correction in our lives, and he wants us to re-examine our hearts, right? He's giving us this kind of, this direction with this Psalm 24. And second, I believe that the global days ahead are going to be tough. I'm not a person who really saturates yourself in the news. You don't really have to do that too much, and you just get the vibe. You know that there's not good things going on, and that the days ahead are rocky, you know, they, they, they just are going to be. And God is looking for his people, his bride, to be a spotless people. A people that love what he loves and hate what he hates. And thirdly, he wants us to be, a, to be the people that can bring the solutions to the world during the hard times. And the difficulties it's facing, and it will face. We are solutions. So let's just unpack this a little bit. The Psalm of King David, Psalm 51, 10 to 19. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. 
Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favor on Zion and help her rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. That's, I don't think I added that one. Anyways, this is King David. <laughs> that last one, because we don't do the sacrificing. But in the days of the Bible, they, that's how they came to God. With a contrite heart, they had to bring an offering. They had to bring a sacrifice. And what happened in this story, that, that the reason that this psalm even exists, is because the king, super influential. He's got a great kingdom. He's had, he has, king David has had a huge, a huge history, I'll say. And he is good and content. He is, he is reigning. He has got great people. He's got a good army. He's winning a lot of things. But this is him repenting and then having his spirit corrected and made right before God. He thought that his sins were hidden from God. He thought he'd handled his deception well, so no one seemed to know or suspect that Bathsheba, a lady he had an affair with, her husband was killed at the order of the king, but nobody really knew that it was the king that had done that. And he thought, you know, it's all good. Now I can get Bathsheba as part of my family. Um, we're all good and going along. Bathsheba is even pregnant. So he was even more thinking, whew, dodged a bullet. Good. Husband's out of the way. But God knew because God knows all things. And he sent the prophet Nathaniel to Nathan to, to confront and expose the king's sin. And the king was very, very shocked, but he was very repentant. You know, a lot of us think that we have, I'm pretty sure we all have ideas of what the most unpardonable sin is. But I think more the, the thing to be thought of here is that he thought he was deceiving God. I mean, come on. But he was shocked that God had sent the prophet to him to say, you know, you're the one, you're the one who sinned here. And he was so ashamed of himself. He, he was repentant. So this is his cry to God, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit in me. So, you know, our, our rightness with God doesn't have a rank. Like he was a king and he needed to be, get his life in order. Uh, I'm just a regular gal and I need my life in order. And God wants us to have clean hearts. He wants us to have hearts that are fully his and on his page. So this present season is an examining season. It's the mercy of God towards us, his church, his bride, to get things right with him. To ask God to reveal hidden ideas and agendas. Things that perhaps we thought were godly and holy. I think there's a lot of great ideas out there that are not God ideas. Maybe some of the things we've stood our ground on, and, you know, we've all had to stand our ground on stuff in the last five years, or not stand our ground. You know, we have, there's been things that have, we've all had to face. And maybe God wants us to relook at those things and filter some of those 
things that we think are so great ideas that are ne not necessarily God ideas, or maybe they're things that God wants you to let go. But I think it's the merciful hand of God that the time right now is so that we can. We can say, yeah, I think I got that off, God. I'm really sorry. Forgive me. He's like, awesome. Good. You see that. Last week, Russ spoke about the Bible being a great filter. Like the things in, that we believe. Is that what the Bible says we believe? Like you need to know your Bible. You need to be able to, to verify your thoughts, that they're God's thoughts from the Bible because that's the manual. So ask your question this, is what I think about blank, what Jesus would think or do? Because if we're going to love what he loves and hate what he hates, we need to know what Jesus would think or what Jesus would do. For example, like the 5,000 people that came to hear Jesus preach. It's in the New Testament. So they were there all day. And they were hungry. It was supper time, and they, they were hungry, and Jesus knew they were hungry, and people were kind of saying, hey, you got any food? They were all talking amongst themselves, and his followers, his 12 disciples, the guys that, that were in training under Jesus, they came to him and said, hey, send all those people. There's way too many people. Send them away to go get food, and then we can continue this after dinner. <clears throat> Jesus didn't send them to the food bank. He said, no, you guys feed them. There's, now, just think of that. What would you do if Jesus said to you and your friends who are following him, you feed them? Right. We would all be like, yeah, he can't really mean that. He knows we don't have much money. We've been taking a sabbatical. We're with him. We don't have any money to feed all these people. But he was telling them. He was telling them about the kingdom of provision, right? That you're hanging out with Jesus. His kingdom is that has no end. It's got, it's got wealth. It's got food for these people. Right? So this is, this is kind of an idea that I want you to think about. We think we aren't the answer, but maybe we are, right? So Jesus, what did he do? He said, yeah, I do mean this. And he demonstrated to them with this small five loaves and two fish that the physical needs of these 5,000 men, women and children were probably added to that, was important to him, and he fed them from these five loaves and two fish. It wasn't hard for him, but he wanted them to see that in him, you can do these miracles. In following the ways of Christ, we can make a difference, right? So that's what Jesus does. That's what we're supposed to do. Be Jesus to this world. Each of us make up what the Bible calls the bride of Christ. This is a personal relationship, being a part of a bride, each of us. We have a role in this role, in this position as a bride. And when we each personally become like Christ, then as a church, we're going to begin to look like Christ. And we're going to function like, a Christ and like Christ and reflect the character of Christ and the culture of his kingdom and not the culture of the world that we live in. John 3, 5 to 7, Jesus said, I tell you the truth that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. You got to do it again. You got to come again into the kingdom of God. Get thinking like I think. We must change our ways of thinking and responding to the ways that Jesus thinks. It's different. And we're going to respond how he responds. So we get that. We must be like Jesus. We must love what Jesus loves and hate what Jesus hates. 
Now, it's not about, well, we're not allowed to do this, and we're not allowed to do that, but we can go to church. We're not allowed to do this. We're not, it's not like that. The Bible has some very clear things, like God loves a cheerful giver. God loves people. God doesn't say that one person is better than the other. He loves all people the same. There's a lot of things that the Bible says that he loves, but there are things that he also says he hates. So the first one of the things that he hates. <clears throat> there are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, which means pride. A lying tongue. Hands that kill the innocent. A heart that plots evil. Feet that race to do wrong. A false witness who pours out lies. And a person who sows discord in a family. So what are the opposite things? He loves a humble heart. He loves an honest tongue. He loves a heart that plans good things. He loves feet that run to do good, to do the right thing. He loves a truthful witness. And he loves one who sows peace and unity. Like those basic things, right? But we still struggle. And he, they're in the Bible so that we can reread them and let the Holy Spirit remind us you were not actually running to do good there, Jasmine. You didn't run over there and try to make things better. And so that I can know what God wants, what God loves, I need to know the Bible, and these are just some of the things that he says. So let's ask ourselves questions regarding these areas. Let's be honest. Let's be truthful with God and let the Holy Spirit speak and convict us regarding how we reflect him. Like, if you know me, I can get on a rant. Does my rant reflect Jesus? Does it reflect Jesus? It might be truth, but does it reflect Jesus? You know, am I railing against this because I need to? Is Jesus saying, Jasmine, is this how I want you to handle that situation? Like, these are the questions that God is asking us to ask ourselves. If Jesus, yeah, I give some examples. If Jesus would like, would like to watch that Netflix program with you, then you go right ahead. But if you think, gee, you don't really, really want Jesus sitting next to you on the couch watching that, don't watch that. If Jesus wants me to make time for that person, then we make time for that person. We stop what we're doing. And we make time for that person because that's what Jesus shows us in the Bible we would do. Let's stop being a people who pass the buck to the church or to social services and who think that we're just delegating it for Jesus because these things are in place. No, Jesus is saying, come on, you be me. You do it. The standards of the kingdom are really very specific. The Bible is quite clear. And once Jesus is Lord of your life, it's kind of easier to digest bit by bit. But if he's not Lord and you're still Lord, it's kind of like, oh, this is really uncomfortable. I'll choose not to do it right now. But we want to be a people like Jesus. We want to be a people that reflects him because he said, I want to come to a people with pure hands and a clean, pure heart and clean hands. I want to come to this city. I want to rest here. I want to be here. I want to move in the city. Be the people that I want you to be so I can come. Because he's not going to show up because we're good. He's not going to show up because we've decided that, it, you know, today's, today is a good Jesus day. He wants to show up to a people that are so sincere and truthful with him and so really love the Bible and the things that God loves. So many times we've negotiated our lives and our church ideology between the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. And they get, they get cloudy 
sometimes. But if we filter things through the Bible, and if we, if we bow our knee, like if we humble ourselves and say, God, what, are you, what do you really think about this? He is, I guarantee you, he's going to tell you. In a, in a still, small voice, a thought in your mind, he's going to say, go for it. Or he's going to say, that's not the way. Go over here. He's going to tell you. The Bible is clear that he is going to reveal himself to you if you ask him to. And if you don't know where to start to read, read the Gospels. The first four books in the New Testament is called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those are about the life of Jesus and the things that he did while he walked on the earth. And they're really easy to understand. But there's also something in them that will shift your spirit and change you because it will make you think, because you're reading it, it will make you realize that Jesus, he's kind of a deeper guy than we actually give him credit for. And you'll see that in his life, in those scriptures. And it's time for us to get our houses in order. This is my third thing I wanted to say. And uh, when I was praying and asking God about this, and okay, you want us to get our houses in order so that he can descend, so that his spirit can come and make a difference. Well, that means to get our houses in order, we got to get things right with God. We've been talking about that. You need to get your family relationships right. You need to get to maybe work on your work relationships. Repent for maybe self-centered thinking and agendas. But we also need to get our finances in order. We need to get our debt under control and our impulsive behaviors under control because hard times are coming. And these areas our relationships and our money and our, our work world. Like we need ourself in right standing in these situations so that God can move through us. And we want to be available as a church, as, a, as, a, as Christ followers, to be a resource to the world. And I, I didn't really have this concept in my mind when I was originally talking to God about this. But I um, was on a call yesterday with some friends that I, that I meet up with on WhatsApp that we were talking about different things going on in the world. And, I, and um, we were praying for the, the country of Maldives. I'm not really sure where that is, but we were just praying and asking God, what, what does he want us to declare? Like, what truths does he want? And what life-giving words can we say over this country? In the process of doing that, um, I felt God reminding me that the people of God are to be a resource for the world. Like, God is the God who controls our, all resources, and he wants that the church be a resource, the people of God be a resource for the world. Now, that, that could mean different things to you, and that's what God wants to talk to you about. But I think it's an exciting thing to think that we can make a difference in the future and in the present because what we have, people who don't know Jesus need. And... Uh, like I said earlier about the city being a tough city, because nobody needs Jesus here, it seems. But that, of course, is not the truth. It's a beautiful location that you can actually re really connect with God here. You can. But that's not really people's intention. So our intention as the church is to be what Jesus is asking us to be, so we can be ready to resource the people who are looking for Jesus. I was reminded yesterday of the story of Joseph in the Bible. So, you know, Joseph, the Technicolor Dreamcoat, that musical? It's this Joseph. Um, so Joseph, poor guy, his brothers didn't really like him. They sold him. 
and he became a slave. And then he got thrown in prison unjustly. And while he was in prison, people were having dreams. And he was interpreting their dreams. And their dreams came true. And eventually he, he got out of prison and he got into a fairly... He got into a position of influence, let me say that, because he could interpret, God showed him what these dreams meant. And uh, the guy that he was working for, the present president at the time, Pharaoh is his kind of generic name, he was having dreams, and he was dreaming about these five or seven fat cows, and then seven lean cows, and uh, seven amazing fields full of stuff, and then the wind and the dust. And he was tormented by this repetitive dream. So one of the guys that works for him said, I remember this guy in prison. He could interpret dreams. Let's see if he can help you. So that's how Joseph got in the presence of the king. And he told him exactly. He said, oh, here, you're the guy. You, you can interpret dreams? He says, nope. I don't interpret dreams. God interprets dreams. And I'm just going to tell you what God's going to tell me. I don't have any ability to do this. It's from heaven. So he tells him his dreams. He tells him. You're going to have seven amazing years, like fat years, lots of money, lots of income, plenty of food. The land is going to prosper, like crops are going to be amazing. The livestock are going to produce and produce and produce. It's going to be great. But after that, there's going to be seven hard years, years of nothing, years of drought. And, you know, I suggest to you, O King, if I can, that you get this house in order and you get somebody who can help you Get ready for what's coming. That's basically, that's the basics of the story. And <clears throat> so Joseph, of course, he doesn't have his family because he's been sold to the Egyptians and he's from the Israelite um, country. His family is of Israelites and he doesn't have them. So Joseph is put in charge of taking care of everything, storing all the food and getting whatever, you know, the plans of God, Joseph was heard from God what to do, what to build, to store everything, and then the hard times are coming. And eventually his brothers show up, and they don't know who he is because they hadn't seen him. Now he's a man. But they were coming to him because they knew he was the guy that had the answers. He had the food. He had, you know, we could buy grain from him, take it back to our people. In the end, he is, reveals himself to them. But he places his family, he gets his dad and all of them to come, and they get put into the area of Egypt called Goshen. And they are, they are provided for there in Goshen. And God reminded me about that, like, you know, are we going to be a Goshen as the people of God? A, a place that where there's provision. And there was provision. Egypt took care of all the Christians. And God took care of all of Egypt. Because the guy that was in charge had a humble heart and heard from God what to do, right? <clears throat> God knew in advance, so he put Joseph there in advance. Kind of sucked how he did it. Because I would not be thinking, this is the plan of God for me? Prison to prison to prison? Like, he, I would not think of that. But God takes difficulties, and he takes the things that don't work out the way we think they should work out, and he makes it for his plans. He's always about the big master plan. Always. Jo jo Joseph used godly principles to prepare the people of Egypt. I don't think they even knew that. But he was using God's ways to get them ready. So God is going to be with us during the hard times ahead. Just like he was with Joseph. 
I mean, we can't really think that we would be untouched by what's going on in, on the globe. And if we do, I think God is saying, no, you're not going to be untouched. But he's going to be with us, and he's going to give us strategies, and he's going to give us provisions so that we can influence and help other people. Because that's what Jesus is all about, other people. He's not about us sitting around all safe in our own place. He's about other people. God is asking us to get ready to be used by him. If we're so entangled in the ways of the world and the culture of our day, we won't be free to be the people of God, to be the resources of God to our family, friends, and towns. Our time spent with God, our daily habit of sectioning off time in our calendar to read the Bible, to have a conversation with Jesus, to worship him and, and, and remind him that, yes, God, you are Lord of my life. That's what our daily time with him is for, so that he can speak to us when we're thankful and when we're humble and we are have a bowed knee, I guess is the word, more is the picture and it's in that hidden place for each of us personally <clears throat> that God is going to produce the kingdom life and culture. And he's going to give you the ideas that you need. He's going to give you the ability to see how you're going to get a house. He's going to get the ability and the connections. I have a friend that is trying to have a baby and they're having a hard time and there's some medical things, but God, it's in the hidden place where you hear from God that God gives you the next step, the next piece of the puzzle. It's in our connections with one another and our praying for one another that God reveals the next thing. So great. Uh, Jesse talked this morning in our pre-service prayer about the importance of together. And how when you, we, we have a relationship with a few people that share the same beliefs, we can pray together and hear from God and get the next step that we need. And if you have walked long with God, you know he never gives you the whole picture. He doesn't do that. There's no technicolor. It's the next step, right? The Bible says he um, lights our steps. So, you know, steps are not very, very far. But they're continuous. So he's going to be the light. <clears throat> God's people have solutions and resources and abilities that the world doesn't have. The world wants us to think that we are insignificant, but God says actually it's the opposite. The significance of the people of God for what the world is going to be facing, what it is facing, is huge. The world is going to come to the godly for help. We got the Bible, so we're going to we're going to realize what Jesus is, so that we know how to behave like Him. It's in these pages that God spoke His plans and His kingdom culture. In the Gospels, like I said earlier, He was coming to express to these twelve guys and then to the others that that the the, the life of Jesus and the culture of Christ is not like anything else you have experienced, and it is hard for us to humble ourselves and believe the things that Jesus said, you know, love your enemies. Just think about that. How would you show love to your enemies? A couple of those disciples, <clears throat> they had an encounter with um, a group of people from the next town, and they were so upset. They're like, shall we call down fire from heaven for them? They've just insulted you. And Jesus said, that is not what I'm about. I'm about loving people and loving our enemies. 
really calling fire down on them? Is that something that you've noticed me doing? This We have such opposite ideas to Jesus. So I so want to encourage you. The Gospels tell us what Jesus' life was like so that we can get ready, so that we can become the people that he can use because the presence of God is a tangible thing, church. It is a tangible, you can feel that somebody is in the room when the presence of God is in this room and we're worshiping together. And he wants to be that to you on your own as well. So that he can have a chat with you about the solutions that you and him are going to provide. So let's examine our hearts. Let's look at how we make decisions. Let's not go to logic all the time. Let's ask Jesus, what do you think about this choice I'm going to make? Let's look at our relationships. Is Jesus reflected in them? And I'm not asking you to answer these, but I want you to let the Holy Spirit say, hmm, you're right. I don't really like that person most of the time. How can I get my life right with you, God, so that I can look at that person like you look at them? Because that's really the key, right? We look at things the way Jesus looks at them. Let's look at our habits. Is Jesus Lord of our habits? Let's look at our money. Is Jesus Lord of your money? Well, he's really made the job available for you. So if he's Lord of your life, he's Lord of your money. He's Lord of everything. And he has even more in store. The more we bend our knee, the more we humble ourselves and say, God, it's about you. I think that there's going to be way more doors open to us because it's about him. He's just waiting for a partner, really, with us. He wants to partner with us. Let's look at our time. Does Jesus have much of our time? Does he know your voice? Does he recognize your voice? The enemy wants, which is the naysayers and the world around us, wants you to think that God doesn't even notice you. But let me assure you that God knows you. He notices you. And he's waiting to have a conversation with you. I had a chat with somebody. Uh, Me and Jesus were talking about this person. And I felt like, oh, I'm going to just write this person a note. Jesus is so excited, I said in this note because he has some things he wants to discuss with you. And he wants you to set aside a little bit of time, a little bit more time, so that you and him can have a conversation. I think it's pretty exciting things he wants to tell you about, talk to you about. And it is that for all of us. He has some life-giving things he wants to share with you, if you'd make some time for him. Do we love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates? After we have bent our knee to the kingdom of God, we're on our way to becoming the people he can dwell amongst. We're on our way to becoming a bride that Je- in the Bible that talks about a bride and Jesus being the groom. And that when he comes back for the bride, which is the people that love him with their whole lives and their whole heart, when he comes and, and retrieves them, I guess is the word, when, he, when it was said when the end time, in the end of the age or whatever, are we going to be ready to be with him because we have lived our lives with clean hands and a pure heart? Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies, they will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God their Savior. Such people may seek God and worship in his presence. I want to be that person. I want you to be that person because I so want this town to be changed. I so want people to have what we have eternal life, but also daily life with Christ, daily 
joy and peace and direction. And we have it for, and we can share it, but let's become the people that God wants us to become so we can experience his presence and that others can join us in this day in the presence of God in the mountains here. They, they really meet him. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca. Thank you.